Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. I've got a, an amazing testimony that I'm going to share in a little bit, not yet. Um, it's going to probably come closer to the end of my message, but um, <clears throat> I have a feeling you guys are going to get pretty excited about it, though. So give me one second here. Give me one second here. All right, I'm going to be I'm going to be preaching out of First um, Samuel 14. If you guys want to go ahead and turn there, I'm not diving in quite yet, but I'm going to go ahead and get it ready. <clears throat> this is a powerful chapter that God's been putting in my heart a lot lately. I feel that today, one of the most important things that God wants to do for us as a, as a church, as a people, is impart um, a higher level of supernatural courage into our hearts. And, and I believe that He wants to release an increase of fire into our hearts for the kingdom of God. Is anybody hungering for more fire from heaven? Amen? Does anybody want more courage from God? Amen. Courage often shows up in the form of boldness. Often it shows up in the form of taking risks that you wouldn't normally want to take. Um, And we're going to get into some of that in just a little bit. I feel like I'm sounding a little echoey. I don't know if that's something that can get adjusted or not, but are you guys okay with the volume and everything? All right. 1 Samuel 14 is an amazing story about Jonathan and his armor bearer. And Jonathan was the prince of Israel. He's the first prince of Israel. His dad Saul was the first king of Israel. And and this was in the season when Saul was still a mighty man of God. Um, And I want to give you guys a little backstory to lead up to chapter 14 before I dive into the the text there. But... um, Previous to this, for, for centuries, Israel had already been a nation, and they had never had a king before, but it was actually ruled by judges for probably hundreds of years. Um, God, but they, they saw that God was the king, all right? And that's what God's plan was, was for him to be the king amongst his people. They did ask for a king because they wanted to be like other nations, and that kind of frustrated God, but he gave them what they wanted. But... How many of you guys have ever heard of the Philistines? Do you guys know that the Philistines were not God's beloved people? And and the reason, it's not because he hates other people. It's because he hates what they stood for. And and they were pagans, and they, they worshiped false gods. And false gods are not just other religions. It's actually worshiping demonic spirits that were cast out of heaven when, when God kicks Satan and a third of the angels out of heaven, they are, those spirits are despicable to God. They, they are absolute enemies of him. And so God, when he, was, when, when he promised Moses that they were going to go into the promised land, his whole plan of that whole thing was to have a, a holy nation, a people that, that they would say, I am your God and you are my people. They would be a people that 
He, he said that you guys are going to be a, a kingdom of priests. So it's going to be a, a, an entire nation of people that had an intimate relationship with God. And that was his intentions with them. And so God knew that there were people, many, many people groups in the land that he was giving his, his children that were worshiping pagan worship. They were worshiping demonic spirits. And so he needed over the course of time to conquer the enemy. And, you know, we read the Old Testament and you see all the wars and everything. And in the natural, that was human flesh war. But in the spirit, it was actually spiritual warfare because God was using that to, to crush strongholds and principalities. How many of you guys are thankful that that's not God's approach to it under the new covenant? We don't have to fight people to, to bring down strongholds. Amen? So, but that's how it was in that time. And so the Philistines were one of the, one of the greatest enemies of God's people. And, um, and so it took a lot longer to get them out of there. And I don't think that was God's plan. I think, honestly, it was the fear of man that caused that. So the Philistines, um, they still lived in the land that was supposed to be God's people. And, and they were mighty people. They harassed God's people over and over and over. They treated them cruelly. They intimidated them, and, and they, they tried to control the land, all right? How many of you know that God does not like the enemy controlling the land? He likes his people to be the ones who are releasing the, the influencing power. Amen? Uh, they were an evil and godless people. Before Saul was made a king, Samuel was the prophet, and so he was, he was actually the judge of the nation at that time. He was God's vessel to release his kingdom and his ordinances into the, into the land. So Samuel was the person who was, who was bringing um, God's authority to the people. And they, they'd gone back and forth, losing ground to the Philistines many times back and forth. As a matter of fact, the Philistines actually stole the Ark of the Covenant, which that's like the centerpiece of the nation at that time. And so they stole this thing thinking it was going to bless their people just like they were blessed, and, and it's kind of a funny story because all the things that, uh, that they loved in their nation, God brought judgment to it, and they put that ark in the, in the temple where their false god Dagon was, right? And, that, and, and in the presence of the ark, that, that idol fell over <laughs> in the presence. And it happened like multiple times. They kept putting it back in there and putting it back up, and it kept falling over. And it was just God showing them that, that, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Amen. And, and so they, they and then they started getting tumors and stuff all over their bodies. Like, I, I think that they actually worshiped a God that was a tumor, which is weird. I, I don't remember the details on that, but that's weird. Like God was mocking them. He's mocking the false gods. He's mocking the enemy and, and doing these things. But. What's a blessing to us was not a blessing to them. God needed to get his, his covenant presence back to his people, and it did happen. So here's Samuel in, in 1 Samuel 7, 3, and he spoke to the house of Israel, and he said this to them, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asterisks from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. Come on. 
God saw that these people were under oppression from a, from a people who hated God and hated God's people, and they were terrorizing them. But God said, if you will repent of the things that you, you've compromised with the people of the world, you've compromised your standards of holiness and righteousness, you've, you've actually allowed the influence of their culture to come into your homes, and some people had idols even, and he said, if you will repent, you'll turn to God, you will get rid of the things that are the world's things and become holy again. You turn back to God, then God will step in. He'll deliver you from the oppression of the people who hate you. Come on. Now, I want to say there's a word in that for us in America right now, because there's been so much compromise in the body of Christ Letting, letting the influences of the world come in, and we, we, we have our reasons for allowing that stuff to come in. And it's either we're under grace, so it really is not a big deal, or, or maybe we want to try to be relevant to the world, so we want to we know what they do, but, but we use that as an excuse to have fun with the things they're doing. And, and I'm not saying that everything that's, that's out there is bad. I'm just saying we need to recognize the Spirit behind the things that we're allowing to influence us. You guys hear my heart? And so if there are things that we allow in our homes or there's things that we allow in our lifestyles that are not, uh, that, that don't pertain to God, the things that God can't bless, we need to evaluate. Is it stuff that God's cool with? Because maybe, maybe the Lord needs us to, to take a, an inventory of ourselves, of our lives. If there's, if there's things that are, that are connected with that, with, with the evil of the world, we need, to, we need to recognize how does that make God feel. And he may, he may say that. But that's what God was saying to the people there. Turn away from these things. Get it cleansed out of your place. Because you are under oppression because of your sins. There's not one time in the Old Testament where God's people were under uh, under the oppression of enemies of God. Not one of those times happened for any reason other than that they compromised with, with, the, with the spirit of the world. Every time that they repented and turned their hearts back to God and said, Lord, we love you more than these things that we've participated with. Every time they turned their hearts back, God showed up and gave them great victory and revival broke out. And I just want to declare this, the revival that God's promising, that I believe that we're on the brink of right now, the revival, the great outpouring, the great move of God that we've been praying into and believing for, it's going to include repentance. I promise you that. It's going to include us turning our hearts back to the Lord and saying, okay, God, I love you enough to draw a line in the sand with things that I'm not going to compromise with anymore. We're in a season right now where, where there's, a, there's a line kind of being created for us without us even asking for it, where there's going to be polarized decisions. Are we going to be fully in or are we going to turn away? And, I, and I'll tell you, I, it breaks my heart. I see people losing touch with their, their full surrender to the Lord and, and, and when I start seeing that compromise happen, 
If they don't quickly repent it back, I've been seeing people leave the gospel of Christ in the droves. People who once were fired up for Jesus are now turning their heart hard against God and the church and the Word of God and giving excuses for why they don't think that's the, the solid truth anymore. And it breaks my heart because I know it breaks God's heart. And I'm telling you that the revival that God wants to bring is going gonna, gonna to set the church, the body of Christ, apart so much. It's not going to look like Pentecostal holiness. The setting apart is not going to look like, well, I, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do that, and so we're better than them because they do that and we don't. It's not that. It's we are rising up. We are wholeheartedly loving God with everything we have so much that, that we're not going to compromise and God makes up the difference and His presence shows up because we're, we're, we're dying to the things of the world so that we can fully live to God. Amen? Amen? That's what God's doing. When we talk about a dividing and a separating, it's not because people are holier than now. It's because people are... I. I don't care what everybody else is telling me I should compromise with. I don't care if they're telling me that I need to bend the truth so that it makes people, it makes it more palatable for people. I'm going to stand firm on what God says and I will not waver for anybody who tries to tell me that we got to compromise. Come on. So, so Samuel's telling these people this and they repented. They repented. And I want to tell you that part of God's plan for separating or setting them free from the Philistines is what we're getting ready to read. God had promised to give them a land that was going to flow with milk and honey. It's going to be a land that was blessed, a land that's holy, a land that, that God saturates with his presence. And that's what we want right now. And I believe it. In, in 1 Samuel 13, the, the chapter before what we get into, it says, that John, it says that Saul, who had just recently been made king, gathered 3,000 men who God moved on their hearts to join with them. 3,000 men who were going to be his soldiers. And so he took 2,000 for himself, and he gave 1,000 to his son Jonathan, the prince of, of Israel. And so I, I love Jonathan because that guy... He's kind of a rascal. He's kind of a, I, I don't care what is out there that looks scary. I'm not going to let that stop me from, from standing for God. All right? And so in, in Israel, there was a place that had a Philistine garrison. And basically what a garrison is, is it's, it's, a, it's like a small little fort. It's a, it's a, it's a place where soldiers would, would have their little fort at. Okay? So the, the Philistines had a garrison there. And it says that, that from that garrison, they would go around and they'd raid Israel. They'd steal things and take it. And they, they just, they, they tormented and terrorized the people of Israel from that place. And, and Jonathan, um, he's like, we're, we're not going to put up with this anymore. How many of you guys are, have a spirit in you that says, I don't want to put up with anybody else telling us that we have to, we have to surrender our kingdom rights Anybody else? How many of you guys have that spirit in you? Amen. And, and Jonathan is a courageous warrior. And so he gathered his people, and they went and they attacked the garrison. 
and, and they attacked the garrison, and what they did was they actually stirred up the hornet's nest. And that happens. If, if you're going to make a stand for the Lord, you will stir up hornet's nests. And let me tell you, if you don't stay anchored with God, it might get kind of scary. Do you think God's scared of hornet's nests, though? He is not. And, and so after they stirred up the hornet's nest, Philistines heard about it, and they gathered their entire army, and they gathered up 36,000 chariots and 3,000 horsemen, and then an army, foot soldiers, as many as the seashore, it says, to come against 3,000 men. <laughs> they had as many horsemen as Israel had soldiers. Who do you think was scared in that moment? All right. And so Israel gets overwhelmed. They start freaking out. And, and they start going into hiding. And they start hiding in caves and in the rocks, in thickets. They're, they're freaked out. They're intimidated. They're worried and scared and hopeless. Because who's going to be able to stand against, you know, countless, countless armies with 3,000 men? And it says that all of them left Saul except 600 men. Because they were in distress and they went to hide. And just to make things worse, the, the Philistines had the, the most modern war technology you could have in that day. In Israel, they didn't even have metal weapons. Because the, the Philistines were, part of the terrorizing they did was they, they did not allow them to have blacksmiths or metal weapons. And so all they had was was farm equipment, and they'd have to go pay the blacksmiths a lot of money for them to sharpen them every once in a while. That's what they had for weapons. The only people who had metal weapons was Saul and Jonathan. Is that not crazy? This countless army against 3,000 people that turned into 600 people with only two swords. <laughs> That's pretty scary. But I, but I want to take us from that from that scene into chapter 14, all right? And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to start reading the story, and I want to start with verse 1. It says, Now it happened one day that Jonathan, said, or the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. That's just crazy, because that's where he attacked it, and he stirred up the hornet's nest, and... Countless people circled together, came together to come against Israel, and he wants to go right back to that spot. Tell me that's not courage. I, I believe that God wants to fill his people with so much courage, so much boldness, that there will be nothing that will cause us to be afraid to make a stand for what's right. Jonathan knew that God's promise was, was that he was going to give the land to his people and that they would rule and reign that land under the holiness of God's kingdom. He, he knew the promise that God said, possess the land that I have given to you as an inheritance. He knew the promise that God said that if they turn their hearts to the Lord, that he's going to deliver them from the Philistines. Amen? And so as everybody else is hiding 
And his dad is sitting under a tree, a pomegranate tree, worried. He's like, I'm not going to stay with these people who are worried and sitting here in distress. I'm going to do something about it. And he grabbed the one person that he knew he could trust, his armor bearer. <laughs> and, and I want to tell you that, that he knew the scripture that, that's in Deuteronomy that says that by God's strength, one person can put 10,000 to flight. Two people can put 10,000 to flight. He knew that word. All right, he knew that his armor bearer, his friend, was somebody that he could trust that would have his back no matter what, when everybody else would abandon. That's a friend, isn't it? He had courage because he knew that in God that he knew what his outcomes were. I want to tell you that with us, there's the Philistines in the land the spirit of the world that's, that's running the mindsets of culture right now that's trying to shut the church down, is trying to shut the Christians, the sons and daughters of God down to say, you can be a Christian as long as you do it quietly amongst yourself. Don't, don't bother anybody else. There, there's that spirit that's trying to rise up and, uh, and uh, put an end to forward advancement of the kingdom of God on this earth. But what spirit do we want to listen to? Do we want to listen to the Philistines? Or do we want to listen to the God who gave us a promise that said, possess the land that I've given to you as an inheritance? Come on. The next few verses, 2-5, through five, it, it talks about how Saul was sitting with his few men in despair at some other place, sitting under a, a pomegranate tree, and, and, and Jonathan and his armor bearer sneaked away because they didn't want them to try to do something to hold them back. All right? The, in order for them to be heroes, they had to do it sneakily so that nobody would try to persuade them to not go. And, and I believe that, that Jonathan, when he was going to the garrison, knew, he remembered the story of his dad's testimony of what happened years ago at that very garrison. Because in, in chapter 10, after Samuel had prophesied and anointed Saul to become the king, he sent him along his way because he was looking for donkeys that were, that were lost. And his friend told him to go to the, to the seer, which was Samuel, because he'll tell you where they are. And God told Samuel that, the, that Saul, the guy that's going to come, is going to be the, the king of Israel. So he had this crazy encounter with him. And he... And Samuel prophesied, and he said that when you leave, you're gonna, all these things are going to happen. You're going to come into this company of three men. They're going to have, I think it was wine, bread, and I forgot what the other thing was. But when you see them, and, and then in, I'm going to read this in chapter 10, verse 5 through 7. He said this, After that you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. Now I want you guys to remember that garrison is the hornet's nest when they gathered an insurmountable army, okay? That's the same garrison years before. He says, it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, 
and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Everybody say, the Spirit of the Lord will come. And you will be turned to another man. Come on. And, he, and, the, and the, the garrison was where the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him. And he'd be turned into another man. And, it, and he went on and he said, Let it be when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. That's what happened to Saul in that place. Now here goes Jonathan to the garrison, a memory of an encounter that God used to change the history of Israel by changing a man. And he's going to this place while his dad who received that word is moping in distress under a pomegranate tree somewhere safe while everybody else is hiding in caves. And they un unfortunately, they became cowards of the moment. This one person who had a friend who said, I'm going to go with you wherever you go. Whatever's in your heart, I'm going to be with you. And he says, I want to go. I want to go to the place where my dad had the encounter where the Spirit came on him. And God empowered him and turned him into another man. He said, do as the occasion demands. I will be with you. It's 1 Samuel 5, or 10, 5-7 through 7 was, the, was the remembrance of, of that encounter. Jonathan did not stay in the place of despair where everybody else was at. Okay? Instead, he went to the place of remembrance of a past encounter that promised victory. You guys hear me on that? We have an option right now to, to submit and surrender to the Spirit that tries to tell us what our limitations are. That tries to tell us that things are getting worse in the world. That tries to tell us that the, the, the church has no, splay, no, no room for advancement in the seasons ahead. Haha. -ha. There's a lot of Christians who are, who are that don't know what to do, and I, I'm not judging anybody, but, but they're, and they're looking around to see who's going who's gonna to stand. And they don't know what to do, so they've got to hide for, for the time being. And I get it. It feels overwhelming. But let me tell you, the, the people who are intimidated by what's going on in the world right now, and, and I've felt that same intimidation. I, there's no judgment. It's a real thing. But people are looking to see, are the, are the, are the people of God, the ones who have promises to, to be world changers, are they going to hide or are they going to rise up? Are they going to hide or are they going to believe what God has said? Because if Jonathan decided to surrender to the narrative of the moment, then they're doomed. And, and, and they might as well accept it that it's going to be a Philistine nation and they can just try to survive day in and day out. And we get an opportunity to look at the, at the Philistines in the land right now. I'm not judging people on that, by the way. I'm talking about the spirit of the world that's behind systems that are stimulating a, a culture that's trying to resist the kingdom of God right now. we got to make a decision. Are we going to let that determine what we believe our outcomes are going to be? Or are we going to align ourselves with the promise of God? 
and say, I don't think that God is a man who would lie or change his mind about those matters. Okay? I'm going to pick back up in verse 6. I want to tell you guys something before I read this. Jonathan is an amazing man of God. And, and his armor bearer, who takes no name in the story, is just as amazing as Jonathan. All right? Such a humble person. It's, here we go. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of the uncircumcised, that it may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. That is an amazing courage to say that I believe we're going to see God show up and we're going to overtake these guys, whether it's an entire army or two people. <laughs> you plus God equals a majority. <laughs> Amen? One can set a thousand to flight, two can set ten thousand to flight. That's God's promise. It's amazing. All right, so he's telling his armor bearer this. Let's go. And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that's in your heart. Go then. Here I am with you according to your heart. I love that man. Because he's saying, I'm with you no matter what. I will never leave you or forsake you. I don't care that there's 50,000, 100,000 people out there. I don't care. I believe that what's in your heart is by the Spirit of God. I'm going to stand with you all the way through. That's called unity. That's called loyalty. That's called commitment. That's a servant heart. That's partnership. That's endurance. That's covering one another's back. That's belief in the person and the mission. Come on. You know, you know, People want to have a, a calling and a mission where God's going to make them that, that mighty person that's the hero. And I think that this armor bearer is just as much a hero as the man who had a name in the story. Because <laughs> it took both of them to make this happen. Okay? Let me read on. Then Joshua said, very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. That's courage. That's courage. We're going to show ourselves to them. I want to say a few things real quick about, about what's going on here. They knew a promise, all right? Number one, Jonathan embraced God's promise. Okay? Number two, Jonathan went to battle for God's promise. Number three, they united together around the promise. These are important factors. Jonathan told his armor bearer, he kind of gave them this, this idea. I don't know where he came up with it, but he said, if we go up there and show ourselves to them and they say, we'll come down to you, then, then he said, God's not giving them to our hands. We're going to leave. But if they say, come up to us, that's our, that's our sign from the Lord that we have won this battle. So they went and they said it, and, and the Philistines said, come up here to us. Come up. And we got something to show you. 
I wonder what they thought they had to show them. I, I think that Jonathan and his armor bearer probably whispered to each other and said, yeah, they, they got something to show us, don't they? Wait till they see what we have to show them. All right. And, and so I'm going to pick back up in verse 11. <clears throat> so both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of their holes where they've been hidden, so they're taunting them because they know that the entire armies of Israel were cowardly hiding away from them in fear that they, that they can't make a difference. And they're like, hey, a couple of them come out of the caves. They're making fun of them. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan, his armor bearer, and said, come up to us and we'll show you something. Jonathan said to his, his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him. I want to tell you that in war, whoever has the higher ground has the better spot. All right? Not only is there a giant army up there, but, but Jonathan, his armor bearer, have the, they, they've got the worst spot, the worst position. They're low and they're going up, all right? But that did not matter because they know that they've got the advantage with God. All right. The, and it says that his armor bearer came up after them and they fell before Jonathan. So, so Jonathan's slaying people as he goes up. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. So Jonathan is slaying them, and his armor bearer is right behind him, finishing the job off. Okay? And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees. I just read that. Sorry. Verse 14. That, that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about a half an acre of land. And there was trembling. Everybody say trembling. That means fear. In the, in the camp, in the field, and among all the people, the garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so that it was a very great trembling. That's a lot of fear. That is a lot of fear. Uh, uh, an entire army starts trembling because these two men took down 20 men, and they know what's coming. They, they know what's coming, guys. It's so amazing. I, want to, I just want to stop right there and say this because the story continues and, that, and a great slaughter happens. I want to tell you guys that it doesn't say this, but what was happening in that moment was, was the courage, the faith, the risk of Jonathan and the armor bearer pushed through the fear of man and that, that obedience and faith in the Lord unlocked heaven. And the hosts of angels were released to come in. And it was no longer two men. It was a host of angels destroying the enemy. If they would have stayed in the natural and looked at their numbers, of course they would have ran in fear. But they're not looking in the natural. They're looking at the promise of God, knowing that God will back himself up for people who, who are going to make a stand for the kingdom. Amen? And I want to tell you guys that, that God's not asking us to compare numbers. He's not asking us to size ourselves up when, when He's calling us to be courageous, when He's calling us to step out for the kingdom. He's not asking us to evaluate the natural measurements. He wants us to measure heaven 
and to believe that heaven's going to step into our obedience, into our risk, into our faith, that when we step forward, the angels get ushered in, and they do way beyond what you and I can do on our own strength. Come on. So this was the breakthrough point. Starting at verse 16. Now the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of, of Benjamin looked, and there was the multitude melting away, and they went here and there. So the, the enemies, it's like their, their armies just melting like, like butter. It's, going, it's dissolving. Then Saul said to the people, I want you guys to remember, Saul and his 600 are somewhere else hiding in despair. But they hear the news that something's happening, all right? They hear the news, and so they, they start perking up. Then Saul said to the people who are with him, Now call the roll, check out who we got, and see who's gone from us. And they called the roll. Surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. Remember, they sneaked away because they didn't want somebody to try, to try to discourage them. Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of God here. All right? Saul talked to the priest, and then they're just going into all that stuff. Then Saul, verse 20, Saul and all the people who are with him assembled. All right? These people who are in despair, they're afraid because they know that there's no chance. Now they see the courage in his son and his armor bearer, and they're winning. All of a sudden, something starts shifting in their heart. They start realizing, maybe we were wrong. Maybe we don't have to presume that we're defeated. Maybe we can rise up and add to what they're doing and help make a difference. Maybe we can shift the tide. Amen? He, he assembled His people. And they went to battle. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And indeed, every man's sword was against his neighbor, and there was a great confusion. That's talking about the Philistines, all right? Because God sent the angels there to confuse the people. They start actually killing one another. That's so awesome. And then, um, let me keep reading. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. So there had been Jews who, who actually succumbed to the pressures of the Philistines prior to this time, and they, they abandoned their own nation. They compromised. <laughs> they, they chose to abandon their people and become one with the Philistines, but now they're seeing their people rising up and something starts shifting in their hearts. You see, they were backsliders. They were backsliders. They went to the, to the spirit of the world, but they start seeing the people, their own people rising up and taking ground with great courage. They start seeing, wow, my people are, are actually rising against this thing and God's showing up, and they're winning. And their hearts turn. They, they repent, is what happened. They repented, and they left the enemy's camp and went back to their own people, joined forces with them again, and then they added to the numbers of their army to defeat the Philistines. And I declare right now in the name of Jesus that as we are people who stand with courage, 
And we, and we don't let anything tell us that we're not going to go forward in the things that God said. It's going to inspire courage in the people who are in despair. Amen? It's going to inspire courage and they're going to, they're going to, something will well up in them because of the testimony of us going before them. There's going to be courage that gets transferred and imparted into people for them to rise up and say, hey, I'm not going to sit here and despair anymore. I'm going to join forces. We're going to change the world. And that as this happens, backsliders are going to have a change of heart because they're going to see the demonstration of the kingdom amongst the people that they didn't see it in before. But they're going to see it and they're going to remember, oh yeah, that's why I loved Jesus once before. And they're going to repent and shift and come back to the army of God. And they're going to add to the forces and we're going to see more victory. Amen? That's prophetic. That's, that's in the story. I declare that in the name of Jesus. All right, moving on because this is where it gets, this is where my heart really stirred. Verse 22. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, the people who were afraid, they were intimidated, they went into hiding, they didn't want to be seen. They were afraid that if they stick themselves out there, they're going to get crushed. Those people, there's a lot of those people right now, right here in America, Christians who are afraid to have a voice. They're afraid to make a stand. They're in hiding. But this says, those people who were hidden, when they heard that the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in the battle. See, this is a revival of courage right now. The, the people who, who rose up in courage, it starts spreading until other people who once were in fear, they start seeing, whoa, there's something on those people. I am supposed to be like them. There's destiny in everybody's heart. And sometimes people bury the destiny because of fear or despair or discouragement or hopelessness. But when they see people living with fire in their hearts, see people living for the kingdom, it inspires courage and it releases fire into other people's hearts. And I, I just declare this over us. This is the main theme of my heart for you guys and for all of us today. Anybody who's watching and listening online. That the Lord wants to release the spirit of courage into our hearts. And Paul told Timothy, who, who, who struggled with intimidation, and he said, you don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And he also told Timothy to fan into flame the gifts that have been imparted to you. Fan it into flame. And Jesus said, I forgot where this verse is, but he said that God will never, suff he'll never snuff out a smoldering wick. That means that he's going he's gonna to protect the little flame, the, the little morsel of fire. He's going to protect that. Because He wants to give us something that we can fan back into flame. Amen? And I, I declare in the name of Jesus 
The, the people are going to receive the spirit of courage and boldness again in the name of Jesus. And there may be, be people right here that maybe you've allowed that fire, that courage to go dormant or maybe hidden out of fear or hopelessness or despair or whatever the reason might be. The Lord's saying fan that back into flame. But I believe that God's raising up a people right now who, are, who, who love the kingdom so much that they're going to say, I don't care what anybody else says. I'm not going to care what the cost is. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to live for the king and the kingdom and believe that everything he promised is going to come to pass if I don't give up. He's raising up Jonathans and armor bearers to link arms together and to go after it. The courage is going to inspire courage in one another. The word encourage means to impart courage. And it encourages people's hearts when they're afraid, but they see somebody else who's not afraid stand up for what's right. It causes people to say, hey, I was born for more than this. I was born for such a time as this. I'm called to be a history maker. I'm called to be a world changer. I'm called to carry the kingdom. And now I'm realizing there's a price to pay for it, but I'm willing to pay it because I want to make a difference. I want to go all the way just like Jesus did. Is there anybody in here that wants to go all the way like Jesus did? And the story, amen, the story goes on. The, the, they... They wiped out the Philistines. They crushed them. Great smashing defeat. Isn't that awesome? So, so they watched God fulfill His promise. They saw the promise come to pass. How many of you know that they would have never seen the promise if somebody didn't rise up in courage and go against the opposition? And that's what God's saying for us. We have promises, but we can't just passively hope and wait for it to come to pass. God's calling us to be a people who rises up, says, I will not compromise. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to, I'm going to partner with God and see it happen. So Jonathan embraced God's promise. He went to battle for the promise. They united around the promise. And they watched God fulfill the promise. Amen? Amen? The Philistines of the day try to make us think that they're overpowering us and that they're winning. Let's just laugh at that. <laughs> oh. In Psalms 2, it says that God had the, the kings of the wicked nations come to Him and they tried to conspire with one another for how they're going to conquer God. And it says God sat in heaven and he laughs at them. <laughs> That's pretty funny if you think about it. Let's bring that into reality right now. Where the, whatever you would call the kings right now, or whatever you call the the spirits or the principalities behind the voices right now that tries to make us think that they're going to conquer God and His plans and God sits in heaven laughing. 
You think that you guys can come together and, and even touch my toe? <laughs> come on. That's pretty funny. <clears throat> but there's a lot of people right now in fear that believe that they've lost their voice. They believe they've lost hope. They believe they've lost a sense of purpose. They've lost values. And they've lost faith. And people are hiding in the caves in intimidation. But we need people today to be the brave ones. I want to ask you, are you the brave ones? Are you the brave ones? And it's a decision. We can choose to be brave, or we can choose to hide in a cave. And the brave inspire the others out of their caves. Amen? I believe that we're on the verge right now of seeing people who maybe have been complacent Christians, passive Christians, who are about to get filled with, a, with the Spirit of God that's going to stir their hearts to say, enough is enough. I'm not going to be compromising with the world any longer. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to put my skin in the game all the way to the end. Come on. And as that happens, it's going to inspire more and more faith and courage in people, and we're going to see momentum increase. I believe that we will see revival, but it's going to be, it's going to be led by people who are breaking through the garrisons. Maybe, maybe you guys need to ask the Lord, what are the garrisons that stand before you right now? I want to tell you guys a testimony, and I'm gonna, we're going to finish up shortly. I want to tell you guys an amazing testimony. Because in some ways, Overflow Church has kind of done like Jonathan and the armor bearer. And I believe that we've, we've just begun the journey of that kind of a connection moving forward. But I believe we're already starting to see this happen. And I'm excited that the Lord is, is going to continue to unite our hearts around a promise, around a mission. And we're going to continue moving forward. We're going to continue breaking through garrisons. Amen? Amen. I want to tell you guys that, when the, that we really believe like the Lord told us to go after getting into a building in this next season. And... We started the journey about a year ago, right, with the, with the building owner starting the journey. And it's been one, one thing after the next that's made it a, a long journey, one, one breakthrough after the next that we've had to go after. We've had a few garrisons along the way that we've crushed. Come on. You, you, you hear me? We've crushed through some garrisons all, along the way. It's awesome. And, and then we've, we knew that the Lord was going to call us to do the Nehemiah Project. And the Nehemiah Project, in part, has to do with the actual physical work of getting a building up and going. But the other part of it has to do with fundraising 
and, and getting, you know, going after the Lord to see the monies come in. And then, of course, in the midst of all that is the kingdom side of it, where we're trying to partner with what God's doing and step out and follow his lead one step of the way, watching him bring the supernatural power to bring breakthrough every garrison that we've had to face. Okay? And so, right about the time that we knew that we were about to start preparing to do a fundraiser was about the time that COVID hit, about the time we start seeing the economy spiral down. How many of you know that in the wisdom of the world, that's probably the dumbest time in the world to try to raise money? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, according to the wisdom of humanity, that would be a stupid time to try to raise a, to do a big fundraiser. And we've been, we've been raising towards $55,000 because the $55,000 is the amount that we have calculated is going gonna, is gonna to cost for the expenses of construction and, and huge deposits and just all the different monies it's going to take to get in that building, right? So $55,000 right in the midst of crazy pandemic. We're like, okay, Lord, this is crazy. Are you sure? And we even had to, we wavered a little bit, like, are we, are we really going to do this, or do we need to find something that feels a little bit more natural to, to get us through? Um, and, and then, like, as, as everything escalates in the world, like, we're starting to see a lot of pressure come against the body of Christ. And right here, like, even the social distancing measures and the masks and all this stuff, and we're like, Lord... The governor's even trying to make, require us to do all these things that I don't think we could even have church in the size of a space of what we're trying to get into. But the, and, and so I even felt fear a few times, like, Lord, are you sure? Like, we don't know what's going to happen with regulations. We don't know what's happening with the economy. But the Lord kept saying, stop looking at the issues of the world Keep your eyes focused on everything I've been saying and trust me in this. How many of you guys have, have felt a grace to link arms with us, to trust God despite the things of this world? Amen? Talk about some powerful armor bearers right there. Saying, hey, whatever is in your heart, we trust that God's in it. I'm with you all the way through. That's what we felt from you guys as a church. That's amazing. The armor bearer was just as much a hero as Jonathan was. I love it. And so God kept, he, he said, stay focused on your mission. Stay focused on your assignment. Live in season with what I've been doing, not with what the world says the season is. Amen? He said, don't let the circumstances or the world intimidate us. Or tell us we cannot move forward as a church. I've had to work through that one myself as, a, as the leader of the church here. But, but, but I felt a grace to say, all right, we're not going to lose stride. Thank you guys so much. Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you that you've stayed with us in this, saying let's, let's do this. That's awesome. I want to tell you guys a cool testimony the fundraiser is going awesome, by the way. I don't know if anybody's been paying attention to it or not. Do you guys remember a couple of weeks ago, I, 
I told you that there's a church in another country, and, and since the time I've found that I, I'm supposed to not say where it is, so I'm not going to say the country this time, but I told you of another country, a church wanted to take up an offering for us. Do you guys remember that? And, and so we were so blessed, like, wow, God's moving people's hearts to sow into this from different places. We had one church from Ohio that gave five grand into the Nehemiah Project. That's crazy. Other people have given thousands. And, and I, know, I know you guys have sown lots of money into this. And it's so awesome to see what God's doing. And I believe there's great financial breakthroughs for the sowers in this thing. For those of you who've been praying for this, I believe there's blessing and breakthrough on you. At the time that I spoke with the lady at that church in the other nation, we, uh, the Nehemiah Project fundraiser was at, was at, at $17,000. And the board of directors, we, we've done all the financial planning and stuff, and we knew that our first milestone that we need to hit is $27,000 for us to fill a relief point because that is the number, that's the lowest number that we're going to need in order for us to actually get into the building knowing that there's still going to be more debts and stuff on top of that, but that's the, that's the lowest mark to get us into the building, okay? So when we were at $17,000, this lady said that God moved on their pastor's heart to take an offering for us. What if I told you that when I got to talk to them after they collected the offering, that they are giving us $10,000, to get us to that threshold. Is that awesome? It's awesome. The story is not done yet. Before that offering actually got to us, the offering that they took, before it got to us, which, by the way, just got into our bank account, I think, what, Saturday? Yesterday? Friday or Saturday, it got to our bank account. Before that money came, the Nehemiah Project already got up to $25,695. Before their money comes, all right? Like, literally, we're about, what, $1,305 off from that milestone before their gift comes. So that, that put us at 46.7% of the way to the $55,000 target goal. Isn't that cool? But, but check this out. And by the way, I want to say, I just wanted to take a moment and I want to celebrate um, this giving that we have so far. I want to celebrate you guys for your investment that you've put into this. Let's give each other a hand for how amazing this has been. It's awesome. Praise God. You guys have been so generous. After that church got together and, and prayed and talked about this, they, they, the lady called me and, and she told me what, what they agreed to. And the pastor there kind of has his own little God story of why God even moved his heart to want to sow into this. Because I, I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but just in brief. Um, <clears throat> He hardly gets on Facebook, 
but when he does, he hardly ever sees me on there. This one day he got on Facebook, and the first thing he saw was the video that I posted about the Nehemiah Project and the fundraiser. And God moved his heart, because I've ministered in his church in the past. We've had, we've had relational connection with him. It's been years, but God moved his heart. And, and he told his staff that, uh, that several years ago when he was visiting Bethel, Chris Vallotton prophesied to him a big, powerful, prophetic word, but part of it had to do with, with God using him to do the works of like Nehemiah. And so somehow God connected him to this, right? And you guys remember that Chris Vallotton prophesied over us that our first building is going to be a miracle, right? He heard that. So he connected that Chris prophesied that to us. Chris prophesied to him about Nehemiah. We're doing the Nehemiah project. And, and there's a few other things that God used that moved his heart. And he met with his leadership team and told them they want to they sow into this. And I want to tell you guys, they all, they all unanimously felt God on this. And, and they did not say they're giving us $10,000. They said that they want to give us the entire rest of the money we need to hit our $55,000 goal. <laughs> and at that time, it would have been $38,000 to reach that. But they went ahead and gave us 40000 even. And we got the money. It's in the bank. Isn't that crazy? We need to give God a praise for that. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, and now we're up to, I think, $65,000 in the Nehemiah Project. 10000 over the goal. Praise you, Jesus! Hallelujah! Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. You're so good. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Praise you, Lord. And, and our, the, our board of directors, which, by the way, is Seth, Jasmine, and Josh, Jessica, and myself, We've been going into war for this stuff behind the scenes. And, and we've been working hard through these things. And, and I want to tell you guys that we just really felt strong that the Lord wants our church to know that this, is, this isn't just because, you know, we leaders or whatever try to do this. This is a collective breakthrough. This is a collective inheritance. And the, the, the mark of God's favor on this church has been astonishing from the very beginning. The favor and the grace has been on us. From the beginning, we've seen God show up miraculously so many ways. We've never gone without. Even though we don't have a building right now, God's provided us every single Sunday, no rain for outdoor services. That we're in this the predicament, if you will, in the perfect season of the year, like God crafted the whole thing. But he's provided financially. And I want to tell you that, that the breakthroughs that God's given on this church is not just for the church. It's for your families. It's for your personal lives. The, the, I, want to, I want to 
put faith into your heart to believe that the testimonies of what God's done on overflow is a testimony to release those breakthroughs to you personally too. That you can lay hold of the hem of the garment of Christ and receive for yourself financial breakthroughs, breakthroughs of debts, breakthroughs of whatever it is that you need to bust through garrisons that might stand before you. Come on. I feel His anointing right now. The Lord's releasing breakthrough right now to people. Come on. Thank you, Lord. And, and, and guess what? Our name is Overflow. We're trying to raise $55,000. We're already 10000 overflowing. That's God's bounty. Hallelujah. I love this so much. And you know what? We're going we're gonna to announce it so that everybody knows we've surpassed our goal. And we're not going to keep trying to you know, put it out there raising money. But what we are going to do is we're going to keep the project open. We're going to keep it open because I, I think that God still has put it on some people's hearts to sow that haven't had a chance yet. And it's going to go to the same thing. It's just going to, God's, God's lavish. So anyway, I'll, I'll just leave that there. But I just want you guys to be aware. God's lavishly providing. He's not done yet. We're, we're about to bust through this garrison. Hallelujah. Are you guys excited? Do, do you guys receive this as not just our breakthrough, but it's your breakthrough? Amen? It's your breakthrough. Own it. Worship the Lord for your breakthrough. Come on. I, I wanna, I'm going to close with this. We, we still have maybe one more garrison that we're trying to bust through with the Nehemiah Project because we, we thought by now that we were going to for sure have already signed the contract on this. And, and we've, um, we're, still, we're still in waiting on some things regarding some of the contractual language. And I just want to ask us as a church to pray for a breakthrough. If there's any, any kind of resistance that's, that's trying to still work or whatever, we just want to see that breakthrough happen. God's been showing up with abundance. And so we know that God's going to provide us a home. I know it. But we just want to bust through that last garrison. I hope it's the last one. <laughs> I say that in faith that it's the last one. But let's take a moment and just pray. Let's take a moment and actually give God a, a strong praise for what He's doing. And let's praise Him into the last breakthrough. Come on. Let's give Him a praise. Why don't you praise the Lord like it's your warfare busting through the garrisons right now. Let's praise Him. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. And we believe, God, that you are breaking through all things that, that are resisting the forward motion in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we believe that you're coming through in the right times, Lord. We believe that you know the right times better than we do. So Lord, we just say, yes, Lord, we're going through this in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask you to release grace and favor on the contract, Lord. We ask you to release grace and favor on, on the owner and the attorney that he's working with, Lord God, that you'll move their hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Put favor in there, Lord. Put favor in there. Lord, let us, let, let us have favor in their sight, God, right now.
for this final thing so we can get ink on the paper and move forward with construction in the name of Jesus. And, and I just, I, the last thing I want to do, I want you to ask the Lord to show you if there's any garrisons in your life, whatever it might be, any garrisons where there might be Philistines trying to tell you that you can't come here. You can't come past me. And I want you to look into that thing right now. And I want you to see what it looks like for the kingdom of heaven to come through, through your courage, through your strength, through your resolve to get through that thing. In the name of Jesus, I want you to look at that and I want you to see God saying, possess the land that I have given to you as an inheritance. That garrison is just a, a, a barking little chihuahua trying to tell you that you don't have access to that. I want you to look at it and I want you to declare this. Victory! Victory. Let's do it again. Victory! In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I, I pray, God, crush them down. I pray, Lord, God, fill everybody's heart with courage and fire and resolve in Jesus' name to seize their destinies, God, to, to apprehend every promise you've given in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.